weekend, we celebrate World Marriage Sunday. It's a day to reflect on the gift of marriage, the gift that it is to our church, our community, and our country, as well as an opportunity for couples to build up their own marriages. I think it's good timing to enter into the season of Lent. It's a time of reflection, you know, a time to you know, maybe look back on all our relationships and, and think how we can you know, empower them and, and renew them. A few weeks ago, Father Dennis asked Deacon Rick and I if we would, we would preach on World Marriage Sunday. Makes sense. We're deacons. We're married. We should know something about marriage. So I scurry off and you know, what are the readings for World Marriage Sunday? What do we have to you know, connect to, to marriage? Leprosy. <laughs> now, you know, I got one year on the job here or so, and a 30-year veteran over here. You think he saw that coming? <laughs> I don't know. But there's a lot in the, in the gospel. There's always something, right? It's all connected. Beautiful truths revealed. And, um, you know, I'm teaching a class on the four gospels right now, and we're in Mark right now. And so the first thing I wanted the, the kids to do is to just read it from a high level. What is Mark trying to do? What story is he trying to tell? Because often we're down in the weeds, right? We're reading one passage at a time. And it has a real effect. It really helps us to understand the scriptures. The reading today is from the first chapter of Mark. And right away in this gospel, leading up to this encounter with the leper, Mark makes some remarkable claims. The first verse, the very first verse, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. A few verses later, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the waters of the Jordan River, and a voice, heavens are torn open. A voice from the heavens comes and says, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Immediately, in his gospel, Mark brings to light that the Redeemer has come. The divine and the human have met. Something great something infinitely important is happening in human history. Immediately after that, Jesus' first words in the gospel, in the gospel of Mark, that is, he proclaims this. He says, the time of fulfillment has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And the repentance Jesus calls us to is more than simply changing our behavior. It includes that, sure. It includes renouncing sin and all the affection for sin, but there's more. Jesus is calling us to a change of mind and heart, a surrender of our entire life to God, a soul transformation at the core, at the center of our being, a transformation that restores our relationship with God that was lost with original sin and the fall of man. A relationship that once restored gradually makes us whole. Able to live in union with the divine power that holds us and cherishes us in infinite love. Jesus calls us to believe that and to live in that trust. Well, how do we do that? How do we participate in such a radical repentance and change? I think the readings today in both Leviticus and the Gospel help us provide some insight and shed some light on that. In the first reading, we learned that obedience to Jewish law required lepers, 
those suffering with leprosy, to make their disease known by word and appearance. They had to separate themselves from the community, from family and friends, from their places of worship. They were cut off with all that they identified with. Not so much as a punishment, but as a necessary precaution to mitigate the spread of the disease and to ensure the physical wholeness of the people. Leprosy, in the biblical context, especially in this context, can be understood as a metaphor for sin and its debilitating effects. A metaphor of those things that block us from authentic repentance and from growing our relationship with God. In the gospel reading, a leprous man exhibiting great humility, trust, and courage kneels at the feet of Jesus. He models for us authentic repentance when he says, when he does this by his actions, first of all, and when he says, if you wish, you can make me clean. Places his trust in the Lord to lead him on this transformation of mind, body, and soul. Jesus responds, I will do it. Be made clean. And the leper is restored. Not only his body, but his life and dignity are restored. Back to relationship with family and friends, to worship in a temple or synagogue, he is made whole. And of course Jesus wills it. He said to us, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And that is what he will do for us if only we ask in faith. Once healed and restored, the man rejoices. He can't hold it inside. He can't hold what God has done in his life inside. And he becomes an evangelist, unleashing the gospel in the land surrounding his home so that so many people become aware of it. It becomes impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly, the gospel tells us. Well, what does all this have to do with marriage? I'll be honest with you, I forgot. I, I kind of got off track. I just, well, marriages, marriages rooted in Christ are infectious. They inherently unleash the gospel. When we imitate the leprous man and invite Jesus to heal and bless our most intimate, intimate relationships, he will do it. He will reveal our blotches. If you remember from the first reading, the leprosy is referred to as a blotch. He'll reveal our blotches, and that can be painful and uncomfortable. It takes humility and courage to open up ourselves, making ourselves vulnerable. It takes humility to open up ourselves to God and to the other person in our relationship, our wife or husband. It, it's hard to identify, to name what in us needs to be healed. We kind of naturally recoil from anything, you know, when God shines light on our own faults, we naturally recoil. It's hard for us to accept this in ourselves when he shines that light on our own blotches. Just this morning, Serena and I, my wife's name's Serena. Is Serena here? She's hiding over there. See, I, was, I have to adjust what I was going to say now. <laughs> so just, to, just to, to today, we had a conversation this morning when we got up having our coffee. And... Um, we got into one of those conversations, kind of discussing each other's blotches. 
You know, Serena, she just has tiny little blotches. Me, I'm kind of like the elephant man. But, you know, so we're having this conversation, and it's, it's challenging. You know, you've had these conversations. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, we're going to get into an argument here on the day I have to preach on World Marriage Day. Those conversations are never fun, but they typically end well when we approach each other in love, unconditional love. We gain a deeper understanding of each other. It's good to just air those things out to hear what the other person is thinking, what their needs are, and to be open to that. And, and for us to be open to change, to allow the grace of God into our hearts to change us and strengthen our relationship that we've entered into. You know, I think the psalm helps us to understand why, why it's significant to identify our sins, to bring them before God, and to repent from them. It goes like this, just a few verses from the Psalm 32 that we we prayed today. Because I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I groaned all day long. See, the psalmist, he's holding in sin. We can relate that to our relationships, too. When we hold in resentments, when we fail to forgive, it weighs us down. Our bones are wasted away. Our all our, we groan all day long. But then, then I declared my sin, my guilt I did not hide. I said, I, conv- I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. He's being healed. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Rejoice, you just. Exult, all you upright of heart. Yes, when we turn to God, in humility, in trust, he heals us. Self-giving love in our relationships is truly life-giving. And St. Paul models for us in their second reading what that humility looks like. Do everything for the glory of God, Paul says. Try to please everyone in every way, not seeking my own benefit, but that that of the many, that they may be saved. It's our job to get each other to heaven in married life. And God provides us the grace, the power of the sacrament to live like that, to live in that relationship. Allowing the infinite love of God to grow the love between us in our relationship also blesses others. Marriages built on rock, that is trust in Jesus Christ, are lights to the world. And we all know of those marriages. I know we look at them when times are tough in our own marriage, when we're hitting those rough waters. We look at my mom and dad, Fred and Mary Ann Bellotto, uh, Serena's parents, Bob and Rose Capace. They provide for us a light because they showed us how to do it. They showed us how to stick together and to love each other unconditionally and how to do whatever it took for our families. In family life, When we plant those seeds in our children, the seeds of the gospel, and nurture them, and God causes the growth of a faith in their hearts, they go forth and bless our church, our community, and our country. In closing, I'd just like to say this. As we prepare for the beginning of Lent on Ash Wednesday, 
Let's take a moment to consider what needs healing in our lives and in our relationships. What affliction, whether mind, body, or spirit, might God be calling us to, to turn over to his infinite mercy? Ask him. He wants to heal us. And at this time, I'd like all of the married couples to stand for, for a blessing. Serena, if you could join me.